Well, yeah, when, when Ann Tate was here, she was, she, was, she was speaking, and I started looking at the display. And I started focusing on what is a clock, but it's also a, um, a couple of uh, world like globe pictures on, on the clock. And what I started to see was, you know the weather maps that you get on morning telly where they show the winds? And I started to see winds. And I felt God start to say, yes, you've experienced strong winds at ground level. And for t- to say this morning, 200 mile an hour winds, yeah, but, but that's nothing. God says, yes, you've experienced strong winds at ground level, but God says there is a wind that I have placed at altitude that travels faster than you can imagine. And I was quite fired up by that. And when I went home, I started thinking about it and, and looking into it. I'm sure we've all heard the term the jet stream. The jet stream. And, and the, technically, it's a fast-flowing, narrow air current in the upper atmosphere. Fast-flowing, narrow air currents in the upper atmosphere. And quite simply, I felt God say, you need, thanks, you need to get in it to be carried by it. And I was thinking about that in terms of the tethering picture this morning as well. Yeah? And you can, you can fly a kite high, can't you? If your kite's big enough and the wind's strong enough, the kite will carry you. Yeah? Now, the jet stream is used, isn't it? It has uses. It's used by aviation. Yeah? And I think particularly if you fly back and forward across the Atlantic, it can cut down flight times considerably. Half an hour, an hour, whatever. Yeah? In doing that, the aircraft also uses less fuel. So it makes the whole thing more efficient. Less effort, less stress. And it could also be used for future power generation. Research suggests that just by harnessing 1% of the jet stream's power, it will meet all of the Earth's current energy needs. 1%. That's quite powerful. And it has been tried in terms of unpowered aerial attacks. It has been used as a weapon. I don't think it was overly successful. Uh, And I think it it might be the Second World War. There were some fire balloons or something. But if you, if, you, you know, if you launch a weapon and it gets into that, it's going to go quickly to its target and then can be deployed. And I started thinking, okay, this is, this is fantastic. Lord, you've put this wind high above us yeah, that you want us to tap into. And I feel that the tapping into that, how do we do that? Quite simply, we do that through the apostolic structure that, that Anne was talking about at the time and I just want us to think about the apostolic structure for a, for a moment or two and I've been reading a book um, by Danny Silk called The Culture of Honour and he talks about the fivefold ministry and I liked it because it's real <laughs> yeah they're operating over at Bethel in this and, and it, it's real and I've just got a couple of paragraphs and a few thoughts to share in amongst some other stuff as well. He says we're in the throes of reformation. No longer will we tolerate the status quo of an externally governed existence. No longer will we accept training in powerlessness. No longer will we live as servants and slaves. The religious motivation of the pending wrath of God and the ideals of a small life are no longer options for us. 
We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We are in training for reigning as never before. We now expect to be powerful, living, and abundant life in Christ until the kingdoms of this earth become the kingdom of our God. I thought I quite liked that paragraph. If only that were true of our lives. And I thought, where, where are we in all of this? You know? Now, you've probably heard, you heard the term valve or valving a few times this morning. For those who don't, you don't know what it is, quite simply, that last line sums it up. It's about connecting the, kingdoms of he- the kingdom of heaven with the kingdoms of this earth. So don't worry about vocabulary. It's connecting heaven and earth, which is, you know, call it what you will. It's what we've always been called to do. Yeah. He goes on to say that heaven is infiltrating the body of Christ and stirring up the passion and hearts of those who have come to expect more. And the first question I suppose I have this morning is, is that me? Is that you? Are you one that has come to expect more? Yes, it is. Great. Are we, really, have we come to expect more? More of him? Are we raising our expectations or are we happy to carry on as we've always carried on? And just walk from day to day, yeah? Nothing changes. We go from one month to the next and all that stuff. Revolution is about forcible, persuasive, and often violent change of a social or political order by a sizable segment of a country's population. Revolution leads to reformation, and that is about improving by correcting abuses. So we, we can see, can't we, that God is transforming his church. He's reforming his church. There is a revolution going on. In, in the church, not just here, but across the globe. Yeah. God's starting to say to his church, why are you doing what you do? Yeah. Why have we met here this morning? Don't answer that, but yeah. Why are you doing what you do? And God's also starting to say, you know, do you realize that what you're doing is not working? And we, I'll show you clearly how it's not working in a, in a moment or two, but we don't need to, you don't really need to tell me. We can see that in the main church is not working. We had a lot come out this morning about the ineffective of, ineffectiveness of church and about how church is viewed by those people who don't yet yeah, belong to the kingdom. Revolutionaries know that transformation comes when we, f- we are finally willing to have a sacred cow barbecue. I quite like that. The sacred cow barbecue. All those things that hold us to the past. All those things that we still rely on in church every Sunday morning. Yeah? that need to just go on the bonfire, the sacred cow barbecue. And he, then, Danny then goes on to talk about governmental shifts. You know, and he says they're necessary for heaven to flow to earth. Typical church government, and I'm talking very general, and I don't know, we've got some visitors this morning. Welcome. Yeah. I don't know if you've been before, but you're really welcome. You might not be comfortable, but I'm fine with that, and I hope you are, but welcome. Yeah. Now, typical church government is a pastoral directive. Pastors, administrators, teachers, and evangelists. There are priorities that are associated with that sort of church government. Okay? The priorities of a pastor are people. The priorities of an administrator is things. Are things? I've got some teachers here, so I've got to get my grammar right. The priorities of teachers are doctrine. And the priority of evangelists is normally the salvation message. Okay? And, you know, 
if you think about it in, ter- you know, in terms of things, the administrators, yeah? I mean, Jim and I, years ago, I mean, we, we, it will never leave our memories. We spent a good while in a PCC meeting talking about a flagpole. I, I could have done some things with that flagpole. But <laughs> put it on the bonfire. Things, you know? And, and yes, we need buildings. We're, 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 we're remodeling this one. But it takes resource, it takes time, it takes effort and all the stuff. Yeah? And, you know, <laughs> buildings, yes, they're needed up to a point. But, but we can't let this stuff take our focus away. Okay. So the core values of this environment I've just been talking about, yeah, flow from its leadership anointing to the structure. Okay. And then... They're right in terms of priorities for that environment. They're not evil. They're not wrong. They are all needed. But they're only part of the picture. People will not grow as God designed them to be in a pastoral environment. Until we're willing to reorder our thinking, to be renewed in our minds, then yesterday will determine our tomorrow. We know that to be true, don't we? We need to start challenging some of these sacred cows and get that, get that Barbie fired up. What Danny talks about, it's a chapter in his book called The Funnel from Heaven. And I thought, yeah, this, this is it. it. We all know the scripture, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipment of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, more winds, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head of Christ. Thankfully, we've been focusing a bit on Christ this morning. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about that scripture. We all, we all know the scripture and I'm also not going to present a theological case for the fivefold ministry. It's not about that at all. Okay, But one thing I do want to draw out of that it says the fivefold ministry here, yeah, is for the equipping of the saints, for the working ministry, for edifying the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. Therefore, I'm thinking, by implication, does that say if we have not got that structure, we will be children and we cannot move on from being children? Because God puts that structure in place that we'd no longer be children. A few thoughts. Now, what Danny says are like this. The diverse anointings of the fivefold, yeah, each address an essential part of the identity and purpose of the church through their specific areas of focus and motivation. Without this, we cannot be adequately prepared to contain what God is pouring out and release it to the world around us. These anointings shape the direction of our churches. And I won't give, I won't give the illustration, but what Danny does in the book is great. He, he gives the, the scenario of a car accident. Just a car accident. And then he says that these five people turn up at the car accident. 
The apostle turns up, the prophet turns up, the evangelist turns up, the teacher turns up, yeah? And he, he then, he just gives a paragraph on how they view things and what they put into place. Yeah? And it's good. What he brings out of that is that each anointing is also a mindset. So each of those fivefold anointings, those gifts come with a, with a mindset. Each anointing determines how a person will see various circumstances and situations. As a result, makes different solutions available to the same situation. Yeah? You with it? No anointing is more important or more correct. I just will say that again. No anointing is more important or more correct. Yeah? God doesn't talk about a twofold ministry. He talks about a fivefold ministry. Yeah? Because it's the whole picture. No anointing is more important or more correct. They are simply God's gifts to his church um, for helping bring heaven's perspective to earth. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and it goes on in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 and 28. We get, again, we know that. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. That's an port- important point we, we need to remember. We are all individual. Yeah? And the role of the, 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 the office of apostle... Yeah, would not be made up of all people that are clones of each other. An apostle does not, yeah? I'm sure we all know people who we would class as apostles across the globe who are entirely different from each other. Apostles in their own right, operating differently, different, different, different church environments, all equally apostles. They're not clones of one person type. Verse 28, and God has, has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Okay, so this is about the order. And that's why he calls it the funnel. It's not a hierarchy. He doesn't say the apostle is first in terms of up here and each one is subservient. It's a funnel. An order of priority is related to the realms of the supernatural that correspond to each particular office. The areas of heavenly focus come first and influence the areas of earthly focus. Does that make sense? Heavenly focus comes first and influences the areas of earthly focus. So we looked briefly at the priorities of a pastorally-led church. Let's look at some of the priorities of an apostolically, a five-fold-led church. I'm using the church term loosely because we are not a church. We are part of the church. Yeah? And God's got to shift all that stuff. So, in, in, in this form of government, apostles will focus on heaven. Then that's great. Yeah? Prophets will focus on the spirit world. Teachers will focus on articulating the kingdom. I'll give you a couple more points about each of these as we go. Teachers articulating the kingdom. And then it's come together workers of miracles, yeah? which is the supernatural activity of believers. So it's a flow that streams from the apostle, prophet, through the teacher into the body. Does that make sense? Okay. And that comes through the teacher, is released in miracles and healing, and continues through helps and administration and tongues. I'll come back to the, the actual role of pastor. I don't want to get labels. I hate labels. Yeah? But 
what that says to me, if this is a flow, and at the end of that funnel is miracles and healing, well, there's a blockage somewhere in the funnel. And I know there are healings and miracles around. We don't see them here. And I don't know to what extent we see them in Burton, and I don't know to what extent we see them in the UK. I'm not saying we don't, because I don't know. Yeah? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we do, but certainly not an everyday occurrence. If, if this funnel is operating and is unblocked, there could be any number of reasons for that, and I'm not going to go into the whys, but it, clearly, in my view, that it needs a bit of unblocking. Yeah? Because we've got sickness in this house. And had sickness is doing very well in the church, but it shouldn't be, should it? If the funnel is working, see Jesus. Um, we know Jesus operated in all the fivefold. Yeah, but when he taught, he taught with knowledge and experience. You know. Jesus exercised his teaching gift by both preaching and demonstrating his message with miracles. That's why people say he teaches with authority. We've said it before, there's enough teaching on the web that we could bloat ourselves up all week. But so what? Yeah? Only heaven's template can reproduce heaven on earth. Yeah? We've got to change our mindsets, haven't we? It says in Ephesians 2, 17 to 22. I'm just going to come in at 21. In whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are, all, are being built up together, together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So God's design in that structure is simple, isn't it? It's a design that allows the body of Christ to be built up into a holy temple. A dwelling place of God. And if that's not the focus of any ministry, yeah, the apostle will make the presence of God, the worship of God, and the agenda of heaven top priorities in the environment. Sounds good to me, yeah? Priorities are about heaven, the presence of God, and the blueprint of heaven being reproduced on earth. Just a, a few of the key characteristics of an apostolic environment and culture. Because we mentioned culture again in the, in, early on today, yeah? It's about culture. And it's about a clash of cultures. Yeah? Number one, worship and supernatural activity are priorities in the environment and the lifestyle of the saints because God's presence is a top priority. Lifestyle. Yeah? Supernatural activity, priorities. And the lifestyle of the saints because God's presence is top priority. Until... until you know, until Jim and I get our lifestyles right with him, then it doesn't matter what happens here on a Sunday because nothing will change. It's about lifestyle, first and foremost. Two, the saints are sent, as Jesus was, to destroy the works of the devil, including disease, sickness, and affliction. The saints live to demonstrate to all people on earth that God is always the good guy and the devil is always the bad guy. Yeah? Why is the church seen as pretty ineffective? Well, because... We're certainly not doing that, are we? Three, the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, church is to be a place of exceeding abundant joy. I felt we felt a bit of that this morning because we're in his presence. 
Four, God desires those who don't yet know him to come into a relationship with him where the primary emphasis is love, not merely service. Oh, shall I say that again? I like that one. God desires those who don't yet know him to come into a relationship with him where the primary emphasis is love. And I'm not talking about gooey, you know, love. Yeah? Not merely service. All right? We don't want people to come in to make a church or ministry grow. If you're invited into a ministry or church because you fit in a little box, please run away. Seriously, it's not what it's about. You're invited to a relationship with him. And if that's not the primary focus, ask some questions. The body of Christ has been built up and equipped to become a glorious and victorious bride. We mentioned that bride. Have we really got a bridal identity? Suzanne started the watch this morning by saying, you know, it's it's been occurring to me recently that he really is coming back. And we need to go back to... Yeah, some elements of that. And he's coming back for a victorious bride. Are we ready for that? No. Do we think ourselves of a bride as a bride and him as a bridegroom? No matter how the conditions of earth may presently appear, we are going to be that glorious bride. Six, the church is to create global awakening and impact. And seven, successive generations may be equipped to carry and demonstrate Kingdom revelation. Successive generations. You know, and we know, don't we, that we, we could be the last generation. Our children could be the last generation. We don't know. But we know time is getting shorter and shorter. We have three young people singing this morning, you know, who are going to do things differently to the way we do them. Yeah? Still capturing God's heart. Still going out there to do what God's called them to do. In a way that we might not fully understand, but in a way that they, you know... That was about a relationship with him this morning. Those songs that came out, to me, showed that we had three young ladies up there who said, right, I know who I am and I know who he is and that affects how I live every day. Yeah? What about the rest of our children? Successive generations must be equipped to carry and demonstrate. Are we equipping our children? You could say natural children, you could also say spiritual children. Yeah? Are we inqui- equipping people to carry and demonstrate kingdom revelation? Really? Now, the downside of an apostolic ministry, because there is a downside, you could have the situation where people start to think, don't they care about people around here? Don't they teach the Bible around here? Is everyone around here so emotional? It's the book. It's not me. Is this a place where new people can come and plug in? The The answer is reflected in the fact that you see people leaving apostolic ministries. All right? I like this phrase, open heavens and Open back doors are the sweet and sour of the apostolic leader. All right? Listen, that is why God said it's five and not two. It's a five-fold ministry. Yeah? That's why what David did this morning, yeah? When, when he was praying and leading, that's why that, that's important because it's the breadth of what we're called to do in relationship with him. 
the days of our teaching, uh, the days of teaching our limited experiences are over. We can get up here and, and in any church and we can teach other people stuff. We can teach theory. We can even teach from the Bible. But unless we're experiencing it, we won't be teaching with authority. Yeah? We must learn to teach how and what heaven is doing every day to everyone. That's why God says that the jet stream is the apostolic structure. And what we have to do is tap into that. It's a narrow, fast-moving stream of air. And it represents what God's doing, what God's saying, what God's thinking. If we tap into that, and, and it's tethering in a different way, if we tap into that, it is going in one direction. And that's, I don't know which way it goes, but it is going in one direction. When we tap into what God's doing, what God's saying, we will go in one direction. Because I'd rather go in the direction that God's, do, that God's going on this earth today than my own direction, because I possibly will get it wrong. Yeah, And that's why I think it's also doubly important the Bible says that, I can't remember scripture, I'm looking for it, couldn't find it. What's it saying? I follow him and I follow him, you know? It's not about following one ministry or one man or one woman. It cannot be about that. But we have got a responsibility to tap into what God is saying. And I think we do that, you know, we, all talk, we, we prophesy in part. Get in hold of what, what, what the big names, call them what you want. Those people who are tapped into what God's doing, those people who do prophesy on a, global, on a global level and see things come to pass, what are they saying God's doing and saying today? That's tapping into the jet stream. And if we tap into that, it will manifest in different ways. I believe God's saying the shape of its manifestation will be different. We were talking to a smaller group of people last Sunday, weren't we? 15, 20 people or whatever. Supposing you've got six people in a group of meet. Does that mean to say you need one of the fivefold in each? No. You need, to, you need to tap into that funnel. It might be that you really got a burden for healing and deliverance and you're at the end of the funnel. Providing you're tapping in, yeah, great. It will unblock the other end and we'll see it manifest because that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about connecting heaven and earth and seeing heaven reflected on earth. Pastors are the necessary solution to the backdoor problem that apostles and prophets have in their leadership environments. Providing, providing, I will add this, it's not in the book, but providing they are recognised as such and they are recognised as an important part of the fivefold, given an opportunity to function in that realm. Yeah, and pastors too, we need to be tapping in. They need to be in touch with what God's saying through the apostle prophet because it's about building us up and making it real to us, me and you. When connected to the apostles and prophets, then it becomes another vital piece of the flow from heaven to earth. Pastors need to maintain a dual focus on heaven and the people. It's a tough call. There are two of you. One, one can do one, one can do the other. Yeah, it's a tough call. What about the lost? What about the role of evangelists? It, it came up again, was it in the watch? Again, it was, it was prayed about this morning. Right, evangelists ensure the flow makes it to its intended target. 
those held in darkness. Yeah? It can't just stop within this environment, can it? It can't stop so we get puffed up with something more. It's, it's, yeah? The evangelist reaches the unsaved and equips the saints to do the same. The kingdom of heaven invading earth is the goal, not unsaved people invading the church. The kingdom of heaven invading earth is the goal, not unsaved people invading the church. It is not about getting people into this building or any other church building. It's about meeting Jesus, yeah, day to day in their lives. Yes, as a result of that, I'm, I, yeah, people say, well, I've got to come there because there's something happening there that I want to be part of. Yeah, but the evangelist role in this structure is not just to go and hand out tracts. And I know that when, when the team did, did it with, with Pauline and Keith a while ago, it wasn't just about that. It, wasn't, it was about handing out a Bible, which is great, but it was also accompanying that. Well, this is what God's saying into your life. Yeah? The reality of heaven coming to earth. Yeah? And maybe there'll be some quick fruit. Maybe it'll take time, but the seeds have been sown. That there is a real God. Yeah? And he knows me. And in time. Yeah? They're coming into the kingdom, not a church building. So I just wanted to outline some of that. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So just bringing it a bit into, into context, finally. Um, Eulalie and Gert were here back in December. I won't go into detail about who they are. It's a long story. But they operate a prophetic ministry in Guyana and, and elsewhere. And Eulalie spoke into this house and us. Uh, and I just want to pick out a paragraph and a bit that she said. And just so we can try and relate some of this. Because it's when, when, when we tap into what God's saying, it starts to then, if it's channeled through the funnel, it's got to be a reality in our lives. Yeah? Not just a touchy-feely reality, not just a knowledge reality, it's got to be an experiential reality in our, in our lives. She said, these are the days when I shall cause the explosion and I shall cause the increase and I shall cause the advice centre to be established. For there shall be an advice centre, and yes, men and women concerning financial issues, concerning how to preserve a society, how to protect it. They shall come and they shall question you and you shall have the word. No pressure there. For God says, I assure you, even things that are going to be trend in days ahead, trends and new trends, I'm going to reveal it to you if I am going to bring into your midst some dreamers, and they will dream into the next century. Hopefully not while we're speaking on Sunday morning. but They will dream into the next century. Fine. Um, then she said, Know that you are going to be able to speak and influence the governing arena, for they will seek your advice and they will seek your wisdom. For they shall know that there are people on the earth that are not afraid to take the realms I have given to them. That, just a paragraph and a bit, is so powerful, isn't it? And that's talking to me and you. Yeah? But how do we get into that, into that position? Yes, God's going to do that, but we need to be prepared. Now God said it, we have a responsibility to respond to that and to prepare ourselves as best we can. Are we prepared to, you know? To give advice on, on that level? Probably not. We should be. And that's what God's calling 
the church to be. I started thinking about, I started thinking about trends as well. Okay. Now, this, this coming week, we've got our prayer pods. Okay. And we're meeting on Wednesday. We've got Ditton Howard. We've got Kim and Jane on Wednesday. We've got Jin and I on Thursday. And we've got Maria on Sunday. Yeah. The topic for this week is the seven mountains. The seven pillars of society, call them what you will. And they are business, government, media, arts and entertainment, education, the family, and religion. Basically, the, the pillars on which society is founded. Now, what, what you, Lily, says in her word there is, is about we're going to be in a position, um, what does it say, Concerning how to, we're going to give advice how how to preserve a society and how to protect it. That's a big job. That's a big job. Yeah. So I'm suggesting we start to think about this in terms of what we're going to be doing this week. Yeah, I think it was who brought you know the, the, the word again this morning that we need to, we really need to know who he is. We also need to know what the enemy's doing. Because trends can be good or bad. Yeah? And yeah, what you Lily talks about there is great. God's going to bring people in who can forecast trends for the future. Fantastic. But what about when we meet this week? Yeah? Why don't we prepare? Why don't we come with something from those seven mountains that God's given us because we've turned the telly on, because we've looked at the Christian Concern website, because we've looked at the news or, or done something, yeah? To say, right... That's where the battlefield is, in these seven pillars, isn't it? Because that's where Satan has created the battlefield. We don't need to look far in terms of the business realm. Yeah? Banking, business, government, media, arts, entertainment, education, the family, religion. We don't need to look far before we can start to think about the negative trends. So maybe that could be a bit of homework for us before we come. Let's start to think about, okay, what, are, what have the trends been in education? Yeah, we've got a few teachers here. What have the trends been in education? And how do we stop it? How do we reverse it? How do we reclaim that which God wants to do? How do we, how do we start to see the kingdom of heaven come in to those seven spheres? Yeah? And we probably ain't going to meet for an hour, hour and a half or whatever, but we can make a difference. If we start to think about it, Jill and I watched War Room the other night. Kev's seen it for years, I think you've seen it. One of the key things that spoke to me right at the beginning, before the film really started, was that one of the lead characters said that her husband was in the war. I presume it's talking about Viet- Vietnam, I don't know. And, and she said his place was in the war room. And what his function was, he said they used to look at what the enemy is doing and then sort of counter-strategize. So simple. If we can think about these seven pillars... And start to say, Lord, or, you know, so we don't need to probably, you know, we can see what the enemy's doing. What's the enemy's strategy in each of these? Lord, okay, what does your word say? What can we start to stand on? What can we start to speak out? What can we start to declare? Yeah, to start to see things changed. It's about, it's about culture. It's in, these, it's in these pillars that the culture of this nation will be won or lost. That the kingdom of God will be established or not established in this nation. Trends can be positive or negative. If we, if we look 
you know, the key thing is have the do the trends and have the trends been in line with God's word or counter to God's word? I'm guessing most of the answers will be counter to God's word. So we need, as part of God's body, to, to take on all that he's been saying today about who we are, who he really is, and start to stand up and start to pray into some of these things. So if you can, yeah, maybe do that for this week. If you come into a prayer pod, don't come empty-handed. You don't need to look far. Just come with one point, yeah? And you say, it's on my heart to pray for this. It can be in any... There's not a lot that doesn't come under those seven pillars, yeah? You don't need to bend the rules that much to get, yeah? Not necessarily... Yeah, maybe if we start to focus on the UK, let's... Yeah? Because you want to be praying into this nation. As, yeah? So is that okay? That's, that's this week. And one of the, one of the sort of core strands of, of, of can here is this whole thing about lifestyle. And one of the strands of that lifestyle is that we want to be a people with a biblical mindset. We want to be a people um, that understand God's times and seasons. And I'm not just talking about a people who can get up at the front and start talking about the month ahead or the three feasts. Great, necessary, but, yeah? Understanding God's timing for you tomorrow. What's God doing in, in these pillars? Yeah, what's God doing in your lives and those surrounding you tomorrow and the day after? So should we just stand? Lord, we say this morning that we want to be those that tap in to that jet stream. We want to be those, Lord. We want to be amongst those, Lord, who hear your voice, who understand what you're doing, who understand where you're going, who understand your thoughts, your feelings. Lord, we want to be those that come with a passion and a zeal that reflects even a tiny bit of your passion and zeal. Because we, we want to see this nation changed. We want to see our towns and cities changed. We want to see, Lord, those areas that we walk out into even tomorrow, Lord. We want to see them changed. And we want to see your kingdom established here on earth. And, Lord, we want to understand our role in that. So, Lord, would you show us where we fit in the funnel? Would you show us, Lord, how to tap in to what you're doing in this nation, to what you're saying? And Lord, we want that relationship with you that we were created to have. Thank you again, Lord, for reminding us this morning of who you are and getting us to think about, again, Lord, who we are. Because, Lord, if we understand who we are and who you are, then not a lot can go wrong, really, Lord. So, Lord, would you strengthen us this week? Would you lay on our hearts this week, Lord, even one or two things that are on your hearts? Lord, we thank you that Sue Sue Smith could give a great testimony from the last prayer pod, Lord, that she saw some changes in her circumstances. And, Lord, we say, Lord, we want to be counted today with those who expect more. And, Lord, we're not saying we expect more of ourselves. No, Lord, we're saying we expect more of you. 
Lord, you're well able. Lord, if we just tap into 1%, Lord, of that jet stream power. Lord, what? What are you prepared to make available to us, even tomorrow? So, Lord, don't let us forget. Don't let us go from here, Lord, and just settle into whatever we do the rest of the day, Lord, and to step into just a new average week tomorrow. Lord, keep us mindful of what you're doing, Lord. Give us those little jolts, those little, little nudges, Lord, by your Spirit. Lord, we want you to shake. You're going to do it anyway, Lord. So we say we welcome you shaking. But we need to know, Lord, that we are established, that we're standing on that foundation. We're standing on your rock. Because we want you to build our houses. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.